All right, so I'm recording. And you're going to be impressed. I have a really good KXP style intro for you here. So Fantastic. Yeah. Are you, are you ready? Are you ready for this? I blow, blow me away. Welcome to the Pop Dust Podcast. I'm Jordan Edwards. Today's guest is Briston Maroney. He's a singer-songwriter from Knoxville, Tennessee. Since appearing as a contestant on American Idol back in 2014, he's established his own rock and roll sound that draws from 90s grunge and classic songwriters like Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen. His latest EP, Miracle, is out on Atlantic Records right now. Briston, how you doing? I am never better. You were right. Great intro, Kill. right? Did I, I did I hit the little the little spots along the way? It was great, man. It made me feel good. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. It made you feel like you you're like you've had a career when you have someone retrospectively talk about, you know, a thousand percent. When you list everything, it's very funny because all that stuff happens over a chain of like twenty years. But when you compile it all into one, it feels it's like a real big pat on the back. Right, and I sound I sounded like a real radio host, right? Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very crisp tone. Great EQ. Well, <laughs> thanks. I appreciate it. I'm talking to you from your childhood bedroom. So tell me what it's like to be home with uh, with mom and dad. Um, it's. I mean, they're amazing. Uh, I have three little siblings who are all under the age of 10 who are full of knowledge and funny things to say. Um, I'm just like doing things that I did not think I would do anymore like i i stopped mowing the lawn to come in and and do the interview so like yeah man i'm definitely back into like suburban routine right now and and you're you're wearing right now you're wearing a sweatshirt and and a dad hat which is very like lawn mowing dude i got my camo pants on too nice so outside of mowing the lawn and hanging out with mom and dad watching reruns of ncis Absolutely. What have you been up to musically? Have you been writing, recording? What have you been doing? Yeah, man. So we're, um, there's actually, I'm I'm very thankful to have the amount of musical stuff going on that we do to occupy um, some of this time. So we're in the mixing process for for a lot of music right now, about to start mastering what will hopefully be a full-length record. And But yeah, I mean, while I've been home, I've just been like, I have a little basement set up with just drums, bass, guitars, and just spend like countless hours down there just working through stuff and very low pressure and just very cathartic which is a word i learned during quarantine well a lot of great albums have been made when someone's just basically stuck in a room for six months or you know oh, absolutely. several yeah. weeks yeah totally there's no outside motivation there's no outside opinions like it's just if you're making a record when you're stuck then like you're doing that because it's you're doing it to survive you know so that's like yeah that definitely cultivates a certain certain attitude you are kind of an outlier in a way in the music industry now because you're pretty much a straightforward rock and roll guy in a time when people are using synths and trap beats and whatever. Even if you are a rock and roll band, mm-hmm. there's there's a tendency to to use non-rock and roll elements. I mean, it's, it's really just what resonates with me to um, do things the way that we've been doing. It's never really been an intentional choice. You know, I've never been one to like, try to buck that system for any reason other than it just doesn't feel as good for me to, to go that way. I, I was always really attracted to artists growing up that I felt like they were getting away with something. If we can keep it just 
four or five grungy people on stage playing instruments that we all like grew up playing and can like take that really far and it's like i'd love to look back and be like man we got away with really sticking to our guns which is exciting you actually have a bob dylan poster behind you as you're doing this interview this is yeah this is very high school me there's the dylan poster there's like this jim morrison rolling stone thing and then i have my john prine record underneath it r.i.p john prine yeah i've been pretty torn up man any day that that dude was on earth that we were also on earth was like a blessing so i mean I'm just thankful for the impact the music had on people. One thing you have in common with him is you straddle this line between being a goofball and writing serious songs. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I fell in love with that, man. That He's, he's the, all the articles I've been reading about him are like about how he just explains like the human condition. You have to laugh at some point, man. Like you cannot take it too seriously. You just got to feel things fully. And that's that. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I took away from being a fan of his. He was so good at the little details, at the little tiny descriptions of things. Absolutely, man. I watched this interview. He's talking about Angel from Montgomery. And he said he imagined the the woman in the song. She was inspired to sing the song because she was sitting in her living room watching dust particles fall onto a table like they were airplanes landing on an aircraft carrier. And I listened to that and I was like, dude, I'm literally thinking of like what shoes I'm going to wear like <laughs> tomorrow. Like my thoughts are not nearly as detailed or just like creative. And I don't know. But I mean, it's it's admirable, dude. It's so cool to think someone's mind works that way and that people can relate to it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned you were working on what will hopefully be a full length album. So far, you've released a handful of EPs on your own indie style and on a major label. What's the big difference been between working on your own, working kind of in the indie space versus now being on Atlantic records and having a big label behind you? It's a totally different set of, of doubts. I think when you're working alone without the support of someone who's made it very clear that they have your back, I think you're struggling with proving yourself. In, in one way and then once I started working with the label it was like proving myself in a different way yeah I mean the biggest difference is just feeling like I have to appease certain groups of people whereas before a lot of it was just appeasing myself so yeah man I mean this process has been really big in like rediscovering that it truly I need to be the person that is moved by the music and my family and friends and just people that like these songs are for need to be taken care of first before like trying to please people who because i mean uh, the label i work with they're amazing people but any label they're they're working you know like they have an objective to like keep a business alive so yeah just realizing that my i will be doing my job best if i'm being human and very like personal <laughs> one thing you've always had on your side is you've always been yourself even when you auditioned for american idol you didn't come in and sing some journey song first of all i i have to ask why did you go to this salt lake city audition what was that about if you if you're from Dude, Knoxville, it's all, can i curse yeah totally totally okay it's all bullshit man like it's completely bullshit i auditioned in knoxville they just ship you out to different places so they have the like seven or eight different like cities where you're from so no one at the salt lake city thing was from salt lake city 
the culture was really cool there. I was very interested in I wish I could have spent more time there. Were you able to just play the song the way you wanted to? How self-conscious you, were you of the situation of the TV cameras versus just feeling like you were in a in a bar playing somewhere? Dude, that was a completely new environment. I, as much as I remember from that, like I literally, part of my brain just was not there while that was happening. Because it was just such a foreign thing to go from like playing in Market Square, Knoxville, Tennessee at a farmer's market to like having people really expecting something from you. And that was just like such a not good feeling. <laughs> yeah. And Harry Connick Jr. is way smaller in real life than what he appears on TV. They are all smaller. Yeah. They're all substantially smaller, particularly Keith Urban. Nice. Really? I don't think of him as a, as a short. I think we're the same height. We're both like 5'8". Like... We're not. Maybe that's just a really good songwriter height or something. I think it's yeah. compact for sure. You can fit into stuff. One of your inspirations you've talked about outside of Bob Dylan and, and John Prine is Michael Sarah. Do you still? Oh my lord! Yeah, yeah. yeah. In an interview with, uh, and this is this is the. Do I? I sound like a real rock journalist now. In an interview you did with Consequence of Sound last year, you mentioned <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that you had an affinity for peak Michael Sarah from a fashion standpoint. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Is that, is that still there? Um, I think it's morphed into a lazier version. I mean, he was dressed to a T all the time. I mean, his figure was perfect. They, I mean, it was like a match made <laughs> in heaven. Um, <laughs> just like a skinny, like tall, lanky dude. So yeah, there's so many pictures of this one summer where like I only wore khaki pants or like corduroy pants and like tight polo shirts. Are you a sports guy at all? Mm, I like sports. I don't keep up with them at all just because it moves so fast. But I, uh, I definitely like I love basketball. I like football too. How do you feel about the the NBA two K players tournament? ESPN showing NBA players playing two K. I think that's so scary <laughs> that's kind of terrifying that that's like what is happening in the world right now but it's a sign of the times dude it's actually watchable though like you forget that it's a video game and you start looking at the players on the court as actual players it's weird yeah i think that's why it's scary is how quickly we just need that and then we yeah. like are down for that the other thing is the, the classic games they're playing from like the 70s and 80s MLB Network is playing these great 70s World Series games. And there's something relaxing about old sports games in the background. It feels, I don't know, comforting somehow. Oh, yeah. Dude, I mean, I've always been a fan of, like, retro sports footage. I think it's so cool. Great mustaches back in the 70s, if you watch those old baseball games. Everything about those people was pristine. They were just so, like manly they were just so disgustingly masculine and also they they all looked like 10 to 12 years older than they really were they're like smoking during football practice <laughs> yeah yeah people think it's amazing that tom brady's playing as long as he is that lebron james is as good as he is at 35 it's like these guys are taking care of themselves back in the 70s you know guys would just you know i'm from kansas city and i just can imagine george brett just going to a bar after a game and drinking eight beers, you know? Yes, probably doing that on the sideline. Like those like pop top beers, just yeah. like halftime, have a couple. Uh, now, 
switching back to uh, back to music, um, <laughs> you mentioned you done you've done the series of EPs, and you're working. I guess this would be technically your debut album, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I technically, yeah. So what's the sound of that going to be like? I, I just went through this whole thing about how you stick to your guns and how you're always rock and roll, but is there going to be elements of, you know, dance hall reggae on this or, or what? what's going on? We'll save that for, for third or fourth album cycle mm-hmm. till I have my, till I take some sort of sabbatical. I, I like to think this record is like, it feels to me like a combination of, of everything we've released so far. So, I mean, there's definitely the elements of songs that are like, fast paced and very straightforward and inspired by you know the garagey rock kind of sound but i mean we actually did get a little more into the synth world not in like a a real overtone kind of way but like there's definitely more elements that were not on other records just like pad wise and i it sounds young and it sounds like we've been on the road for as long as we have playing these songs in the rooms that we've been playing them in and that's like all i wanted you know you sound so grizzled for a 22-year-old. Yeah, I I watched too much 24 when I was young, I think. <laughs> is there any is there anybody you listen to that's maybe outside of the box retro-wise? Is there someone from back in the day that you listen to that people may not expect? I definitely love funk music too. Curtis Mayfield and Funkadelic and stuff like that. I don't know if it counts as retro, but like I also love late 80s and early 90s hip hop. Yeah, that's like definitely something I'm super into. Also, so that doesn't reflect in the music at all. Can you rap at all? Do you have you tried rapping, dude? You are you are turning over stones that have <laughs> I, things under them that I'm scared to. The last time I saw you, you said that you were going around New York City pretending that you were freestyling. <laughs> that was like kind of a joke. Also, you, you only kind yeah, of though. I love. I do like to rap a lot. I like to rap. Not many people have ever heard me do it, but I do it sometimes. If you ever do rap, I think the way to do it is not to try to like squeeze in a rap verse into. Oh, you gotta go all out. You gotta, yeah, actually gotta make a rap out, a rap like a record. track. No, exactly. I, I would love to someday. It'll be very underground. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have a bunch of rap demos that i've done in my basement that i want to release and like not tell anybody and see if it if anyone ever finds it and how, how do you feel about that nashville has become so diverse musically that it's not just country people anymore how would you describe the nashville music scene to someone who thinks of it as just a country place dude i would say that anything that you want just go to that city and like you will be satisfied like you can find any scene that you're looking for I mean, there's like a crazy metal scene. There's like a great rap scene, like, you know, right outside of Nashville. Memphis isn't that far from Nashville. And there's like such a great hip hop scene there. The alt rock and indie rock world is probably the majority in Nashville. But like there's, yeah, I mean, there's room for anything, man. How diverse that city is, is totally disguised by what people think it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, th- I still think they think of, you know, George Jones and, yeah. you know, well, I mean, yeah, dude, because when you look up Nashville online, the first thing that comes up is Blake Shelton's bar on Broadway. Maybe someday you'll get big enough to have your own bar and grill like Blake Shelton wanna... or the uh, the Toby Keith. I love this bar and grill. <laughs> That's another thing that scares me. <laughs> that, that, that exists. Yeah, dude, I would love to 
have my own place right next to Florida Georgia Line House. Yeah, man. I mean, you go down. It's like Kid Rock has a place now. To- yeah, fucking Toby Keith, Blake Shelton, Florida Georgia Line. It is crazy. I'm not anti-country, but I'm anti-pop country. The auto-tuned. I agree, man. I, I do love classic country stuff. And I still, I mean, I like even some modern country stuff. I've been like on a huge Tyler Childers kick. Well, there is a, there is some good organic country. You think of people like Eric Church, you know, yeah. who's a really good guitar player. Yeah. I mean, that stuff too, I, that's a big part of my life was like my my mom lives in Florida. There's some really su- surprisingly redneck parts of Florida. So like I grew up going to like Oyster Roast and listening to Toby Keith and Kenny Chesney and Garth Brooks and Shania Twain, that early 2000s country stuff. I love that music. I still really do enjoy that. It started just like moving as fast as like hip hop and pop music was. And then it just like started really losing the identity. Musical trends in country are usually pop trends that are five, 10 years old. So country is where pop trends go to die. Yes, 100%. Yeah, it happens so quickly too. Like as soon as one person does something interesting, then it's like everyone's going to do their version. Before I let you go, I've been asking people what they've been streaming online during this quarantine, uh, what Netflix shows, Hulu shows, Amazon, whatever. So what have you been watching that maybe beyond Tiger King? Can you give me something other than Tiger King? I'm sure everyone has said Tiger King. Dude, I actually, the best call I made in quarantine was re-watching this show on Netflix called Love. Uh, it's like a Judd Apatow show. It's so good. It's Paul Rust and Jillian Jacobs, or Gillian Jacobs. So funny, dude. Like, it's like, I watched it like a year ago, or two years ago. It's funny, I watched the first season and I didn't watch anything else. I felt, really? I felt like you into it? his awkwardness, I couldn't, I couldn't do it, another season of it. I just couldn't. It doesn't get better. You either got to accept that you're just going to be uncomfortable the entire time. All right. Thank you so much, Briston, for talking to me. And I wish you luck on the new album. And thank you, man. stay safe out there. Thank you, man. It's good to see you. I appreciate it. All right. Take it easy. Take it easy. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Pop Dust Podcast. I'm Jordan Edwards. You can find me at jordanedwardsstudio.com or on Instagram at jordanedwardsstudio. And be sure to check out the latest in pop culture, entertainment, and music at popdust.com. Music.